Welcome to Box Out Banter. We are finally back. Uh, we've had a busy couple of months, so apologies for that. But it's NBA Finals time, Jordan. Yeah. We're two games into the NBA Finals. Skipping and, uh, all the way from our last podcast, which was like the second round, to all the way to game two. It's just a yeah, I mean, crazy so before, time skip. <laughs> before we get into the finals, do we want do you want do you have any thoughts about how the playoffs have gone so far? Sort of like just overall general general thoughts? Um not really. Uh the only surprising thing was um I mean, briefly, like, I don't want to relitigate, sure. try to make up two sure, weeks sure. or months of missed podcast time. Yeah, just overall things. Like but, things um, obviously, I'm shocked that the Suns went out the way that they did in, a, magic, in game seven. Um, I knew I knew it was going to go seven. It's funny. I actually won a, I won a $50 bet with my friend who's probably going to listen to this podcast. Shout out to George. Uh, I've mentioned him a few times, big Suns fan. Um, but I won 50 bucks cause I told him the series was going seven and he was convinced it was going no less than five, um, or no five. five he, yeah, he was convinced it was either going to be five games or less. And I was like, eh, no, Luke is that dude. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, but you know, the Suns have played him well in the past and stuff like that. I was like, Luca is that dude. And he was that dude. And yeah. The ascension of the Luca was fun. Is, the thing is, it's crazy. Is like, I, the my favorite tweet that I saw was like, "Man, just wait till Luca gets in shape." Yeah, no, for real. Like, you saw what it did for guys like Embiid and Jokic. Like, yeah. they kind of got like, in shape around the same time, and now they've just become well, bona fide I think superstars. This is, this is the kind of thing. Like, when you have a playoff run like this, you well, Luca is like, a bona fide oh, superstar. Just to yeah, be clear. but like when you have, when you have the when you have like the playoff run like this it unlocks something in you of like, oh, I can take a next step and like, what do I need to do to get there? Yeah. And then now like, hey, no more beers before games. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's chill on that. Uh, and then, yeah, like... Apparently you know, that that was a previous picture from like yeah, yeah, a yeah. previous season. But I, I would like to believe that he was like, I'm just going to grab a beer and drop 40 <laughs> and 15 on the war. <laughs> yeah, like I, to, to me, it's a thing of, look, Luca clearly is just young and playing off of you know being young and having a high metabolism whatever but like as he starts to get older and like again like you said this is around the time where players start to realize like oh this is a job mm. and like i'm gonna start taking care of my body and when yeah, you start age wise see- he isn't there yet but talent wise like he is like way past that like he is a yeah top five to seven player and I know the top seven changes all the time, but like, yeah, Luca's definitely in any kind of conversation that's like top whatever. But like, player. the next step for him is to get in shape, and he played yeah. his way into shape as this. Well, he tried to play his way into shape, got hurt, and then as the new year turned around, the Mavericks had their big turnaround, and it's no coincidence that the turnaround happened when Luca started playing better. So yeah. the ascension of Luca was fun. You're all right back there. What's going on back there? No, my, my daughter's my daughter's picking up toys and stuff. Oh, okay. For sure. Um, we, we keep podcasting. It's just how we roll. Um, and then the other thing that, I mean, it's a minor thing, but it, it's not going to be talked about much, especially with how fast the playoffs move and all that. But the Celtics were really close to having just an all time collapse. Yes. Like 
We don't talk about it now because Jimmy Butler missed that shot, and I don't mind Jimmy Butler taking that shot. By the way, I actually no, thought he was. I actually thought in real time he was going to take it to the rack like he always does, but like I don't mind that shot that he took. No, like, when you're the, when you're the team leader, when you're the star guy, and you and, and he was on fire, he was yeah, great that night. Like, yeah, I don't mind him going for the. I don't mind either decision whether he took it to the rack against Al Horford, though that would have been a it's, tough proposition. I think at that point, like, again, when you're the leader, when you're the star, and you yeah. make a dis- and you're hot, and when you're on, like, you live and die with whatever decision that they make, and, like, you just live with it. And I think that yeah. whatever decision he would have made in that time, like, there's no one on that team that I would have trusted with the ball more. So, like, yeah. you know, if that's his choice, that's his choice. And, like, again, I th- I think that, yeah, even if even if they – you, you got to go for the win. I, yeah. I just, you know. And then, you know, you never know with overtime and all that stuff, like fatigue yeah. starting. Jimmy played literally the whole game. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think they would have survived overtime anyway. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, Brown Jalen Brown was in foul trouble. But um, those were really the only two things. Uh, we're definitely getting some parity. And uh, thankfully, we're getting at least an exciting couple of games compared to, you know, the conference finals. The Western Conference finals is just it was a blowout every yeah. time um and then the eastern conference finals was just a slot the first five games of that series were one slogs but then like random runs would just happen where the celtics or the heat would just play go basketball. on like like one team would just 20 sleep 20 to 5 runs and shit like that and yeah, the game would like be over one team would just sleep through the entire like there was that one game where the celtics didn't score for like 10 minutes yep and the, the same thing the happened heat, to the heat, heat too yeah. like and you're like, why? Like, yeah. you guys, I, I remember I, you tweeted out like, "Well, this is a basketball game," and I was like, "Well, is that, is that what we're calling this?" Like, yeah, like it was is, a, it was, it was more sure a basketball point. game. But uh, now the NBA Finals are here, and that's what I really want to talk about because I think this uh, this matchup's so interesting. This matchup is interesting. Full disclosure: Add Warriors and six. Um, and uh, I mean. I wish we had done this uh, podcast before the finals because I would have pontificated about just how great this this infrastructure is that we have seen in Golden State and how great Stephen Curry is and how, you know, if Steph wins his fourth ring, Magic Johnson fans and Laker fans better be prepared for some conversations over the next five to seven years, depending on how Steph, oh the rest of Steph's career plays out. I don't think if Steph wins his fourth ring, I think it's a, I think we can start opening the door for that conversation. Like I'm just I, saying, I um, don't think just because of like, to me, there's nothing. I would that still have magic ahead of Steph. Like, I would still have magic ahead of Steph, but by the end of Steph's career, if he has like five rings and accumulates, you know, this, all the stats and all that, like there is going to, there is a going to be a, there is going to be a legitimate argument to be had. Where I think that both I sides think that's, are valid. I think it technically is a conversation of like it, it turns into like the LeBron Jordan argument when you're talking about like best point guards at that point because then you're talking about longevity versus like peaks and stuff like that and like you're talking about longevity versus yes like and, and like yeah, as a player because then like Magic career who knows where Magic's career would have went if he didn't get you know cut short right yeah right right so you know that's kind of where you're getting into like the but resume stuff also Steph Steph's peak is. Also, no, no, I'm not, I'm not arguing. Yeah, yeah, arguing. I know, I know. Sort of like where the I'm just, the I'm just saying, from. Magic Johnson fans and Laker fans better be prepared to get uncomfortable, you know, over the next like five or seven years, um, 
as Steph's career goes on because it's clear this Warriors team is just I mean I was high on them before the season started and even when the Suns went on their crazy run um oh, you're you're always on the Warriors I was yeah I was like look I know the Suns should be the favorite to come out of the west but I would give the Warriors a dead even shot at winning a potential series against the Suns just they do stuff differently than everybody else and we have a matchup where you have the one team that could theoretically that theoretically has the personnel to defend all the type of stuff the Warriors run. So it's an exciting series from that standpoint. Um, game one was uh, it was shocking. Obviously, the fourth quarter the Celtics had was just it was incredible. They had at one point they were they were nine of twelve from three, and at one point they made like seven straight threes. Um, they outscored the Warriors 40 to 16 after the third quarter Warriors had already happened. Um, the Celtics did well to ma- keep that deficit to 12 points um, heading into the fourth quarter. Cause there were two big plays towards the end of the third where I thought the Warriors could have pushed it to 20 and that would have been a wrap, but the Celtics did just enough at the end of the third quarter to keep it at yeah, 12. Keep, keep it on, on and keep, the, keep, keep it, keep holding on. Yeah. Keep and hold like, again, on to the is- rope. Don't let go of the rope. This is the thing that, so I had, I had originally taken Warriors in five, and then I and then I kind of thought about it more. No, these teams are too good for it to. Yeah, and then I, I thought I thought I thought about it more, and I was like, no, they're gonna make adjustments. Like it's gonna be Warriors in six, and that's sort of where I settled. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. After watching these first two games, I don't know, like. I don't want to call that Celtics win a fluke, but like the Warriors were in control of that game until the fourth quarter. Yes, it was close like, in the first. It wasn't, it, it, the Celtics were leading at halftime uh, yeah. of that game, and then the Warriors. But it's just always came the Warriors' out. third quarter. Like the yeah. the Warriors' third third quarter shenanigans, as always, are just like ridiculous. And then Jalen Brown came out in that fourth quarter and just he scored and assisted on. 14 points and the Celtics were right back in it. They were yep. on fire. Um you call but like from what from what I was saying like it's not I don't want to I don't want to say it's fluky but like it is something there where there's some fluky elements not, to that. They're not that's not going to happen every night. Yeah. And so like when you ha- when you have these games Well, Al Horford, like, Derek Wright and Marcus Smart combined 15 of 23 yeah. for 3 in game 1. Like you're, that stuff like that's not going to happen every night, and like even with all that stuff, there's still an argument to be made that like yeah, the Warriors really kind of threw that game. And yeah. there's stuff, and there's stuff where you're going like, okay, well, if I'm taking that into account, and then they blew them out last night. Yep. Like that game wasn't even close. The there's stuff where you're going, okay, well, <laughs> what have, have the Celtics shown me anything outside of getting really hot? Have they shown me outside anything outside of that that like shows me oh they're, they're going to win this game or this series or like compete? Well, and really like no, I would I would sort of disagree with that, but I get what you're where you're coming from because the it was a two point game at halftime yesterday. Yeah, like, but I mean like and the and the Celtics we've we've learned over the years that like. Warriors first half mean nothing. It's all about that, that third quarter. Yeah, but onward. I mean, it does kind of. I mean, the whole game, the whole, all the quarters matter. Sure. Like, no, um, I'm being a little facetious. But I like, know. but uh, but uh, like, there were stretches in both games where it just the Celtics looked like they had the personnel to just physically dominate the Warriors. Like, they are bigger than on on average. If you just 
I'm sure if you look at different lineups and stuff, like the Celtics on average are bigger than the Warriors, just height and length wise. Um, and you saw that for stretch for a lot of stretches in game two and one. It's just that, you know, a tiny mistake here, a tiny mistake there, and it's just death. Yeah. And I think one of the big adjustments I saw yesterday in game two was they stopped giving Al Horford, Derek White, and Marcus Smart practice shots. Like, because that's all they got. Look at the threes the Celtics took in game one versus game two. Now, the Celtics started off great from three yesterday, but the threes were still considerably tougher. Draymond Green was in people. They Steve Kerr made the adjustment to put Draymond Green onto Jalen Brown as opposed to putting Draymond on Al Horford. So Draymond can do more of his instinctual stuff defensively and check one of the Celtics' main cogs on offense. Um, so, the, I mean, notice how Marcus Smart and Al Horford combined for four points yesterday. And then Derek White, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford were 15 of 23 from three in game one. This yesterday's game, that was non-existent. <laughs> well, and um, it... The the other adjustment I noticed from Steve Kerr, well, there were two. The lineup, and this is how great Steph Curry is, because there is no way, I don't, maybe Kevin Durant, but he's too ISO. He's, like, his game is way different from Steph's, and the gravity he has is nowhere near Steph's, just in terms of the amount of attention a defense has on a player at all times. And yeah. it's tough because Steph is an off-ball He's off ball also, but um, the lineup of Curry, Gary Payton, the second who uh, came back yesterday or was available in game one, but didn't play, but got minutes in game two because Andre Iguodala was out again, Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter and Draymond Green. So you have Steph Curry, Gary Payton, the second who's a who shot good from three this year, but is more of a stationary spot up low volume three point shooter. Andrew Wiggins has turned into a good three-point shooter. Otto Porter is a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but not like a movement shooter like the guy Steph or Clay is, right? Right. But think about that lineup with Draymond Green, a non-shooter. And Steph Curry just made that work. And what that did was it gave the Warriors three stout defenders, physical defenders. They're probably their three most physical defenders at the – or four – um, just in terms of being able to match up with Boston's physicality and length and athleticism um, with Peyton, Porter, Wiggins, and Draymond. Um, and the war- that lineup I noticed yesterday was able to hold up against Boston's like stretch, uh, big, switchy, athletic wing lineup. That lineup held up the most so far, I think, in terms of just being able to, from the standpoint of being able to match Boston's physicality from all the perimeter positions and sure. size that lineup to me has done the best so far. And it was a plus eight yesterday. The warriors were getting, starting to find a rhythm in the second quarter. Gary Payton is the warriors best point of attack defender easily. And him coming back into the rotation yesterday really did wonders for them. Cause you could put him on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and if you put him with all those defenders that I mentioned, it's a lot of hands. It's a lot of help defense coming in yeah, on the drive. The and the, the Celtics cough the ball up like crazy. I think Emi Udoka said it yesterday. They The Warriors had 33 points off 19 turnovers. And if the Warriors turn you over 
it's death like in a thousand different ways so well so there's two things and i think it's the the celtics like you said they're more athletic they have they're bigger the thing is that they lack what i would call like a true point guard or like table setter they don't really have that yeah and so yeah when you have a defense that's swarming you have no one there that's able to slow it down and go okay guys let's calm down let's go Mm -hmm. because they just don't have that guy and like again tatum tatum's playmaking has improved smart um jalen brown like all of them have improved but none of them are like the okay calm it down and let's run a play yes yeah uh and so that really hurts them overall yeah, um, there no was some of the, yeah, that was no yeah. brain, right? Yeah, there was some of that too that I but like you mentioned, um because really not having a true point guard out there and Marcus Smart, he's a good passer, probably a natural point guard or well, in terms of his well, yeah, natural, natural in terms of his natural That's position, role. his role. Yeah. Um but yeah, you're right. There is no like sometimes you need to like slow it down a bit or get into a set or something like that like you and can, you can tell there's points in, t- in the game where they start to flounder and they don't they just try to push their offense and keep going and it's, not like, so much, it's not so much it's not so much as a i mean yeah you're right um not having a traditional point guard kind of hurts but i think not having outside of jason tatum and jalen brown not having another guy who can get to the rack and touch the paint and then get Boston's offense flowing off of that. I think that's apparent also because with GP2 being on one of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum and then putting Draymond on Jalen Brown yesterday, um, uh, you're really making it tough on the Celtics' two best players who can get to the rack, who are the best at getting to the rack. And then Marcus Smart, you know, he's not really a traditional get-to-the-rack kind of guy. You'll live with him shooting. You'll live with him taking a lot of the shots because, you know, he has a tendency to do that sometimes. And that's just less shots for Tatum and Brown, which makes things, you know, not easier. But you could kind of funnel down the assignments, the defensive responsibilities a bit more, sure. um, especially when Curry, Wiggins, and Clay Thompson can stay plastered to the other shooters and you put the two best defenders on, you know, the Celtics' two best wing players because they don't have anybody else that's capable of uh, getting to the rack. Um, I I saw the stat yesterday. Let me see if I can uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, the Celtics were. Let's see. I'm trying to find the two point field goal percentage because I know the Celtics shot very poorly from um, from two point range yesterday. Uh, but that's kind of not that's not been the mo for it's been kind of the mo for the Celtics all playoffs is that you know they turn the ball over they have a tough time getting to the rim but when they do the games that they do get to the rim everything just starts flowing yeah for the Celtics but they really just don't have that extra oomph or extra options in terms of getting to the rack um. But uh, that's that's what I saw yesterday. And I think it kind of bolds well for the Warriors going forward that they haven't really had the outlier game yet. Clay's played like shit, honestly, these first two games. Um, and Wiggins hasn't, you Good know, 
He has he hasn't been the same offensive Wiggins that he was in the Western Conference Finals. His defense has been important. He's been solid, but he hasn't really had the Andrew Wiggins game. Like the Warriors haven't had outlier performances yet. Yeah, this is all pretty standard stuff. And, and the Celtics have had nuts. for a game and a half have for a game and a half were outlier in terms of shooting the ball from three, and. It'll be interesting to see. I want the no, Celtics. To be fair, to be fair, they that game, the outlier game for three. They also had an outlier, absolute stinker from Jason Tatum. They did, but Jason Tatum, I still thought played a good game because he was great defensively and he yeah. had thirteen. No, I'm, I'm yeah. saying like, sorry, a stinker shooting the ball. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Jason Tatum, which is not like him at all. He's usually pretty efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from I think the thing too that like a lot of people aren't pointing out. It's the idea that like, because a lot of the a lot of the talk coming into this was the historic defensive numbers from the Celtics, right? Mm-hmm. The again, I'm not saying it's easier. I just think it's different when you're in a series. Your last what three series have been against KD, Giannis, uh, and uh, Jimmy. Jimmy Butler, where like you're offensively like it is pretty much like okay, I know where the ball is going. Yeah, and you're defending and like, pick and rolls. You're, mostly. you're defending pick and you're defending pick and rolls, and you know you're you're pre, you're able to pre-rotate, and you're 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 pretty much guarding spots in a lot of in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, where now with the Warriors, it's completely motion based. You're not able to pre-rotate. You're reacting quite a bit, um, and it it can get. I thought the Celtics did adjust in Game One. Yeah. Um, as it went on, I think the first quarter they just. The gave, first quarter was wild. They gave <laughs> they gave Steph everything. They were going like, under screens. But a uh, an adjustment. I, one more adjustment I did notice yesterday is that the Warriors. It felt like they were just running more pick and roll. Like eventually, they were just like, you know what? We're gonna this get Al Horford and Robert Williams in drop mostly, or Robert Williams who's gimpy on one leg. And Steph's just going to create off of that. There was more of that in the half court yesterday, I felt like. Or I know the frequency is probably going to say it was around similar for games one and two. But just yesterday, it felt like there was a noticeable in-game shift to running more pick and roll with Steph. Like, that was like the in-game adjustment. And it worked beautifully. And Steph has been dominant through these first two finals games. Um, But I think... I think this series is still going to go to the, the distance. I think these are two well-coached teams. They have two two teams with great players, obviously, across both both sides. Um, for the Celtics, and I pulled up the numbers finally yesterday, um, the Celtics were, and this is not a typo, this is per cleaning the glass, the Celtics were one for three at the rim. That's actually kind of sad. One for three. And in all mid-range jump shots, they were eight for 32. Yikes. So the Warriors did a great job of, one, not giving the Celtics other players just, you know, practice shots. And they, they, they didn't really need to guard them closely yesterday. It was more just be more alert, be a little bit closer, and get a contest if you can, and adjust the defensive matchups. So the Celtics have to find a way to generate some twos and get to the line because the Warriors are getting to the line as much as the Celtics are. The Warriors have 
dominated the third quarters. And I think, I mean, we've seen this movie a thousand times with the Warriors now yeah, in the Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry era after Mark Jackson. Like, the Warriors are just dominant in the third quarter. That just is what it is. You have to find oh, a way. If, could you imagine? Could We got to pull this up eventually. There, can, what, is their, what is their plus minus in third quarters for the last, like, 10 years? Oh, God. I mean, I'm sure I could pull it up on NBA.com for, like, this season. But going back, like, to the just, when I'm Steve Kerr was like, first hired, like, that's going to be tough. But I'm sure it's a lot. It's, it, it, incre- I guarantee you it's incredibly high. Answer. The the answer is enormous. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's got to be incredibly high. Like, it's it's got to be, like, yeah, it's got to be something insane. But if you're the Celtics, obviously you got the miracle game one win. Um, you're going back to the crib 1-1, so you feel pretty good about that. I would just feel a little cautious that the Warriors haven't necessarily had, like, the outlier performance from, like, Clay Thompson yet. Uh, the Warriors yeah. have been kind of forcing – a lot of the Celtics' turnovers, too, have been forced by the Warriors. It's not like dumb, throw the ball away. There's a little bit of that, but a lot of the – I was just listening to the Low Post podcast, but a lot of the – Celtics turnovers have been majority yesterday. I think the Celtics 23 turnovers, 15 of them were warrior steals. So yeah, I was laughing so hard. So uh, obviously I work for Panda global. Uh, the one of our, one of our most famous players, Flex. his name, his name is punk. Uh, he's the best street fighter player in the world. And he's grew up in Boston. So he's a huge Celtic fan. So watching him tweet through this entire thing has been hilarious. No, he's uh, tweeting through it. <laughs> yeah, and so one of the, my favorite tweet that he sent yesterday was uh, Jason Tatum has negative handles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, and I'm surprised he didn't say that about Jalen Brown too, because <laughs> he forgot how to dribble back way back in that Miami series. <laughs> oh, there are there's a couple of like, man, this needs to be again. It goes back to the playmaking thing of like, man, there's. There needs to be. They both move great without the ball, and they they both are great at attacking. Great at attacking, but man, trying to create space for them to attack is a struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the that's the key difference you listed there. And Marcus Smart, like, if you get him focused right, he is the point guard you need. But like again, his natural role in playing might be point guard, but I don't think he's a natural point guard if that makes no. sense he's a and, natural two like a defensive minded two like he, he doesn't he does, and like point guards to me have a sense of the flow of the game how it's going to go possession by possession what um like the the temperature of your teammates like all that inner human stuff that point guards are natural point guards are typically more um yeah. aware of i don't think marcus smart is as good in those areas and when you know the going gets tough, you might see him early shot clock. Marcus Smart contested three, or a crazy Fourier to the rim that ends in nothing. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, so you brought up a really good point about point guards, and it's something that I love. I love talk. I think we talk. We talk more about point guards than anything else in this on this podcast. We really do. Um, but to me, it, it goes back to the thing man. that yeah, I've said. I've said it before. And like people call me crazy when I think about it, but when they talk about it, but like when you think like back, even Shaq and Kobe, right? When you're looking at like, okay, yeah, those are your two star players, but like people underestimate the importance of Derek Fisher as like a tempo control guy and like being able to distribute and get the ball to those two guys and like keep them under control. Mm -hmm. 
and, and like, shoot when you need to. Yeah, and shoot when you need to, and like understand the flow of like, oh, okay, this is the time to shoot. This is the time to feed Shaq. This is the time to get Kobe in his spots. And like having a point guard that's smart like that, and that understands the flow, and is a coach on the floor, and really, again, your Shaq and Kobe are your leaders and your best players. But like having someone like Derek Fisher that is a coach on the floor and a leader as well, and more of a like game plan sense, I think is super important. And so yeah, like while Jade, while the Jays are your stars, I think having that that th- that point guard that you know Marcus Smart isn't really. I think is really important for like making that next. Jason Tatum's not at the, he has improved. I would put him in the category of good to very good passer, um, especially over the last two seasons. But let's be real. Like he's not on the passing level of a, you know, James Harden or Luka Doncic where you can really just put a whole heliocentric offense around him. And yeah, he's not that have him yet. run through everything. Have him just run everything. I don't think he's there yet. Um, he's he definitely be. he's definitely shown he's a tier one franchise player. And you know, I want personally, I want to see him. I want to see what he does next season. Um, before I throw out the SS word, the superstar, because I've seen Tatum I play. Do, I do want to make this clear too. I think we've this is kind of an era where the heliocentric player is like the top tier guy. I don't want this to come across as like Tatum is not a top tier guy because again, I think the heliocentric player is rare and is something that like, it's a rare skill set that we've just come become accustomed to seeing. And we've gotten lucky to have guys like LeBron and Luca and Harden and you know, all, all kinds of other guys where, I, I don't think that's the norm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, we, yep. you know, it's been very, even going into the past, like guys like Jordan and Iverson and, you know, Shaq to a certain extent, like, you know, having a, a guy that you just throw the ball into and then build everything around it is very rare. And I, that doesn't, I don't want that to take away from everything that Tatum's doing, that he's just not that guy. Not, the, not the guy. Like he's a number one on a championship no, no, no. contender. No, like the like the the heliocentric. Like you can run oh. everything. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like I I don't want I don't want just because he can't do that doesn't take away from what he is as a yeah. player. There are, he doesn't do it consistently enough. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. He maybe he'll get there one day. Um. I definitely but think I'm saying if he doesn't, it doesn't mean necessarily yeah. that he's. Like, I mean, horrible. at this point in time, I'd probably I would have to list out the list, but he would be in the top eight to 12 range. That's probably, I think a fair, especially with the season he had and being the best player on a, I think it's going to be a perennial contender for a long time, but there are still some rough edges in Tatum's game that need to be ironed out or not rough edges, but things that can still be improved upon because he's already a good defender. He's turned into a good passer um, especially with like the basic and simple reads, um, he's gotten better at the advanced reads too. But I would, I would like to see more consistent improvement in that before, and like one or two, like one more, probably first team All NBA or something like that. Before I put him on the level of a, like just in term, like in terms of tier to me, a tier one franchise player is a guy you build around to be the best guy on a championship team. And I think Tatum is that already, but there's levels to this shit. And within that level, there is Giannis, 
There's Jokic. There's Embiid. There's Kevin Durant, Steph, LeBron, Luka. And then Tatum is probably healthy Kawhi, excuse me. And I know we haven't seen Kawhi yet. I don't care. I'm taking Kawhi Leonard over Jason Tatum. Like, you can you could say right I'm now or or like for because right now I I don't know how long Kawhi has left so I'm taking well Tatum. I mean if Kawhi but is what how old is Kawhi because if you're talking about over the next handful of seasons I think it's clearly like Kawhi obviously we have to see um how his exactly. knee looks but like Kawhi's 30 years old like I know like he get, needs to be load managed and stuff but I've seen that dude perform in the playoffs and like Tatum's been to four conference finals and the finals and this is his first conference finals and finals appearance as undisputably the guy no extra no extra anything about it um but I just think I Tatum's probably right there at 10 or 11 and I think he's a he is a burgeoning superstar but I don't want to put him in that category yet because I need to see some uh some equity some some consistency sure. um cuz we've seen I mean, stretches okay. yeah we've seen stretches where he's played like a top 5 to 10 player right like the 2019-20 season before the bubble there was that two and a half month stretch where he played like an absolute superstar and then 2021 the 2020-21 season happened and then the first part of this season happened, or the you know before the new year, the Celtics were three games below five hundred. Like, I want to now see it. We have seen Tatum do it for the longest stretch of his career, and I want to see him do it a bit more the next season before I am ready to just throw him among the likes of Luca, Katie, LeBron, where they're obviously clearly more talented, but have more accolades under their belt too if that makes sense yeah and that's and that and that's not to say again that's not to say I don't think Jason Tatum isn't a superstar or can't be one or doesn't have a chance to he absolutely does he's an MVP he can be an MVP caliber player and kind of was this year I want now can he do it again next season and then you know I'll bestow that superstar i will eat more easily call him a superstar than what i am now sure. i'm like superstar this year like i think we i think we do tend to overuse the term superstar. we do like that's that's kind of also my other point like we use i and i'm guilty of this i'm sure you're guilty of this yeah, we're all right. guilty of this especially because there's so much talent in the nba now but we really do throw around the term superstar a lot like I lo- I am higher on Trey Young than a lot of people after especially <laughs> I wasn't really a big fan in college but like I'm not putting Trey Young in the superstar category that's not happening right like but people will look at the numbers and all that stuff and be like he's a superstar no he's not I yeah, have I to see multiple deep playoff runs I have to see first team all NBAs I have to see all-star appearances there's a lot more that goes into it than just a 3 month stretch you know, or whatever. And Tatum has definitely put in the equity to where he can. I'm not going to argue with anyone who calls him a superstar. I'm calling him a superstar, like with that tone, like, (laughs) and then next year I'll be like, yeah, he's a, if he continues, if, I mean, I think he's going to continue it into next year. And at that point I'll be like, he's a superstar. 
like yeah or like one and what's what oh he's uh he, he's uh i guess i guess if you wanted to do dragon ball z forms uh like every the top eight that i mentioned they're superstar saiyan twos and jason tatum's like <laughs> a superstar saiyan one <laughs> That's actually the perfect description. You nailed it. Yeah, there we go. That was my long-winded explanation there. <laughs> you nailed it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with you. So I guess we've, we've kind of gone over the... Do you, so last thing on the finals. Do you think... Are you sticking with your game, your six wars and six? Yes, I am. Okay, so am I. Yep. There isn't uh, a... Again, and, and after watching these two games... Part of me is like, man, I just think the Warriors are gonna go on a run here and just finish this off. Yeah. Um I don't know. There's there's it two things will two things will have to happen for Boston in order to make this a long series and to win it. They have to change the pickup point on Steph Curry's pick and roll coverage, obviously. But also they need to find a way to generate some offense against easy baskets not just Tatum and Brown going off and you know relying on the Brown the Jays to do everything play make score all that and while also defend on the other end they need to stop turning the ball over they need the other starters to play within themselves um Al Horford cannot one Al Horford needs to be federally investigated for his time in Philadelphia and then going back to Boston (laughs) and looking like (laughs) old Boston Al Horford again one of the funniest things but Al Horford can't go he can't go over he can't take what did he take yesterday one shot he can't that can't happen he can't have two points Marcus Smart can't have two points and he also can't be erratic there is paths for the Celtics to win this series but it starts with them not turning the ball over. Right. And um, the same goes for the Warriors, obviously. But I think they have the, – the the interesting thing with the Warriors is, yes, Boston has their set eight rotation guys. And that's kind of been used uh, as an argument for the Celtics versus against the Warriors because the Warriors don't have a set lineup. Like, they have guys coming in and out. I think it's good that the Warriors have – a lot of options they think they're comfortable going with. Yeah. Like different players. There's so much flexibility. There's so much flexibility. If Jordan Poole doesn't play well, well, guess what? We'll just put in um, Andre Iguodala, Moses Moody, Kaminga, or um, now Gary Payton the second. Oh my God. Another quick thing. Another tweet that I saw that I I laughed so hard. I was, I was at Disneyland when I saw this tweet, the, and I laughed so hard that I scared the people in line <laughs> behind me. It was it said it was something. It was the tweet was something like uh, getting any points from Andre Iguodala at this point has to be like finding five dollars in your pocket. Oh, that was me. Was that you? That was me that tweeted that. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's, a, it's an A plus tweet, my friend. That, that was, was so that good. was me that tweeted that. <laughs> I laughed way harder than I should have. <laughs> Well, I'm glad really I'm glad funny. I made you scare people at Disneyland. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, Bravo. hold on. I'm a, I'm a fi- yeah. Any points from Iggy got to feel like finding five bucks in one of your pockets. <laughs> it's so good. It's an it's an S plus S tier tweet. It's true. Congrats. And then he got injured again and is out probably for the rest of his series. That's what happens when you get old, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so, 
Uh, I nothing's really moved me for my Warriors in six. I think the Celtics can very they can win this series. I won't be surprised. Obviously, they're both finalists for a reason. But I just think if you're if I'm a Warriors fan, it sucks that you choked away Game One like that, especially because of a crazy ass fourth quarter. You, you Warriors fans must have been like, oh, so that's what it feels like. <laughs> you know, like the scene in Dark Knight yeah. Rises where Catwoman disappears on Batman and he's like, yeah, he oh. Goes, oh. So that's what it feels like. (laughs) I'm sure Warriors fans got to feel a little bit of that. But considering how the the totality of how everything's gone and what could happen with Clay playing like doo-doo, I got to feel pretty good. The Celtics fans got to feel pretty good too. But if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm not like distraught that it's a 1-1 series right now. No, I I think you're pretty comfortable. Yeah. Again, depending, just seeing how these last three games have gone. Yep. Um. Last. So, last thing I want to bring up before we leave here. Uh, draft order. We got the draft poll while we were gone. Oh yeah, that's right. Um. So I tweeted this out, and I don't know how you feel about it. So for me, I still think Chet's the top guy. I would still take Chet first. Uh. But my ideal order, because I think it makes the most interesting fits for everyone. My ideal order would be Jabari one to the Magic. Oh, okay. I want I want Chet two to the Thunder, and I want I want Paolo to the to the Rockets. Would be my ideal. Like this would be really fun. So I need to do a bit more homework before I feel comfortable like giving a sure. like a mock order to these guys. But my preliminary top three would be Paolo would be Bancaro. Holmgren, and then Jabari Smith. Um, Smith going to the Magic, I think that would be fun, especially because you know he has the, all the six ten can shoot, can play defense, all that stuff. It's kind so of fits magic right up of? the yeah, right up the Magic's wheelhouse. They already have Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter. Um, pretty sure Mo Bamba is going to be gone in restricted free agency. So, uh, but you still have Mo Bamba, or you still have Wendell Carter. Franz, Chumo, Kiki, Jonathan Isaac, whenever he stops doing his dumbass Republican conservative conspiracy theory tour that he seems to be doing for his book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have the guards. Like, I think Fultz could be – Fultz is going to be a big part of the magic next year. I just – he's going to – I think he's going to be solid next year. Um was really good for the Magic the first eight games of the 2020-21 uh, season before he tore his ACL. Um, Fultz, you got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, I'm still high on. Um, I really like what the Magic are building there. I watched an abnormal amount of Magic games last year, and I just keep coming away f- being fascinated with their young core, especially as Franz Wagner, you know, took well. took more of the offensive responsibilities as injuries and some tankiness started happening. Um, but I would prop my just no teams, just top three in order would probably be Bancaro, Holmgren, and Smith. Um, I want to do more looking. I want to look more into Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, and um, Jaden Ivey. Um, I love Jaden Ivey. Yeah, a I lot of I, I kind of I like Jaden Ivey too. I have to see more games of him that are not tournament games. Um, but I but I wouldn't be mad at Sacramento taking Keegan Murray. I think he's the type of player the Kings actually need. Um, 
especially, I mean, when you draw comps of Al Horford, I mean, I'm just thinking about how Al Horford would fit next to Demonis Sabonis and this version of Al Horford specifically. He would fit really nice with the with the Kings, and Keegan Murray is somebody that I see that could fit that mold. Um, but yeah, uh, the Magic are looking good for the future, and the Thunder had to get a top two pick, otherwise. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? But honestly, all these Man, teams might as well you might as well just chalk all these teams as being back in the lottery next year because everybody's going to be fucking tanking for Victor Win- Wimbenyama. Um, oh, I was laughing so hard. I was trying to explain to someone uh, Wimbenyama, and I was looking up like footage, and I was trying to explain like, okay, look, look, like look how good he is. And then the I looked up a scouting report, and the best the best sentence was this is not Rudy Gobert was the start of the uh <laughs> scouting report. I laughed so hard. Damn, Rudy just catching strays. It's so funny. <laughs> this is a different type of That dude no, that dude is I mean, I've seen clips. I haven't seen full games, but that dude is uh yeah, he's scary. Yeah, he's a monster. Seven three and can do all that like shit man like a little bit of a going the taking the ball coast to coast fadeaway jumpers pull up threes coming off of fucking pin downs as a 7-3 guy probably has some post game too i have to look at more film and probably has some pet moves he likes like that dude my god the centers are just getting ridiculous now they have final they have caught up like they have been caught up for five years now and it's just wait till they get Chet in a weight room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, just wait. that's literally his one weakness is just the size thing. Chet, um, Wimbenyama, Mobley, like the next crop of bigs, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be something yeah, fierce. Fun. Something fierce. <laughs> I'm excited though. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm excited to see what the Magic do, honestly, because they have a lot of talent. Someone, someone made the someone made the. Uh made like a not a not a prediction but like a hey what if what if the thunder traded like more picks to the rockets to take like two of them because they have the picks to do it right so that your like core would be sga giddy and then like probably yeah the rock and chet yeah the rock is probably ain't doing that though no yeah no No, No, i want to get started yeah, the uh, they Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Alperin Shingun. I just think the, pair, the pairing of Jalen Green with Bancaro is so fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, that's a lot yeah. of scoring. <laughs> it's all it's 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 just the kind of thing of like, yeah, they're not going to play any defense, but like it'll be really fun to watch. I can't. I I'm not prepared for the uh, cognitive dissonance of watching a Poku and Holmgren front court potentially oh my goodness can you imagine so weird two just skinny tall white boys (laughs) just trying to man the paint (laughs) with with giddy running point (laughs) with giddy running point (laughs) oh no could you imagine oh man oh there's there's not going to be a lot of shooting either they're just going to the basket baby once once again just the lack of shooting sga is going to be operating in a phone booth (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be fun Oh, uh, real quickly before we go, I do have to ask you, and I hate to pull an ESPN and just the pull, 
pull the Lakers out of nowhere because other basketball stuff's going on. But yes, I do want to know your thoughts on the Darvin Ham hiring and I, some of the quotes that have come out of that have come out of. I love Darvin Ham. I wanted him from the beginning. He was mm-hmm. like my. He was like the guy that I wanted. I was getting real mad about the Doc Rivers stuff. <laughs> um, and as you can imagine i was getting real uh, excited really excited yeah <laughs> i i was i was getting really mad about the doctor stuff um, like but, that it was still floating out there even yeah. as the candidates were reaching the quote-unquote final stage yeah they're like the lakers, lakers brass still hopes that Docker becomes available yeah. at a certain it's like yeah. 12 coaches have reached the final round and then mark syme just comes in with an elbow like lakers still hope for doc rivers boo <laughs> Yeah, it was the worst. Uh, but no, I I am in love with it. I I I love that the Lakers are finally getting rid of the Ramby. I don't know. I don't understand what is going on with that. But they're I, still going to be in the front office, though. I mean, yeah, I'm, if you, I'm you just saw that, that. You saw that Bill Plaschke interview. Yeah, with Jenny, Jenny I know. Buzz. I, I, just <laughs> hope that that, I hope that that era of like oversight is over and done with. Nope. The only person, the only person that I want Ham to keep, obviously, is Phil Handy. Um, and I'm pretty sure he will. I, there's no real reason why he would. That's the that's the thing that uh, that what at least at the very least for Darvin Ham, I'm happy for is that he gets to select his own staff. Yeah, 100. Uh, Rasheed Wallace is going to be on board apparently. I know. I saw today. that. Ball don't lie. Hell yeah. Ball don't lie. Uh, and again, like as much as a a quote unquote controversial figure as Rasheed Wallace is, I just I love the energy he brought always as a player. He's and, controversial like, in that he got pissed at the refs all the time and was yeah. an emotional player. That's like, the only I, controversy. I I loved him as a player. I don't know much of him as a coach, but like just the energy he brought as a player, I'm hoping would. Carry I think he, over he was an assistant with the New York Knicks. Um, once upon a time, it was like a few seasons back. I have to I have to look it up, but he was in he was an assistant coach for a bit for a minute. Um. It was a quick minute. It was a cup of coffee, but still. Um, and, but I mean, to me, that screams like that's the Anthony Davis hire. He was a de- he was the Detroit Pistons assistant coach in 2013-14. That's where I remember it from. Um, but I imagine the Rashid Wallace hire. That's for Anthony Davis. Yeah, that's the that's the yo toughen this boy up. Yeah, the, not just toughen this boy up, but like diversify your game a little bit, be more efficient, and all that stuff. Because yeah. like. Sheed was an extremely efficient player. Truth be told, like, the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that should be enough. But the way they built this team and the way they have attached a 300-ton anchor that is rust to yeah. them, man, that's going to be tough. And no one's probably going to trade for him. Like, Yeah. I mean, and we're not willing to attach a first-round pick. I mean, look, the rust well, stuff. You got, if you guys have any. <laughs> we have we have the 27th with a – Yeah. The, the thing is with – Russ is like, hey, whatever happens to Russ, whatever happens, like we're stuck with him, whatever. I just love the signing of Darvin Ham, and I think that that's yes. going to set us up. And the fact that we gave him a longer term deal bodes well for me. I think that's a lot of confidence. What was the length of the deal? Four years. Four years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is a solid, a solid length of yeah. deal. Remember, we were with Vogel. It was a three year deal, and we didn't want to give. Uh, that's why Ty Lue left because we didn't want to give him the fourth year. Um, oh, yep, yep. So I mean, look, that's something that bodes well for me at least for a change in the front office mm-hmm. of like thought process here he said he said in today's pre- he, i saw um a tweet that of from not from darvinham but a quote that was tweeted and darvinham pretty much said yeah we're gonna run the four out four in scheme and everyone's like holy shit lakers are entering the 21st century what yeah. <laughs> and i'm yeah. just like oh my god like we're over here just <clears throat> 
you know, throwing another championship parade because Darvin Ham's like, hey, let's play some modern basketball. <laughs> I mean, to be to be fair, if you just put three shooters and you just run Anthony Davis, LeBron pick and roll, who's stopping this? Like Russell Westbrook. Fair. <laughs> I couldn't resist. You lob, you lobbed that one up. I know. <laughs> but like that's literally that's literally how we won a championship was, hey, Anthony Davis, LeBron pick and roll. And then here's Danny Green and KCP. And Alice Caruso. Just you guys standing should on the have league. taken that Buddy Heal like, trade, man. You guys oh my really God. should have, dude. Ugh. In hindsight, twenty twenty, but whatever. The, and, the at point the is, at the time, I, I was know. like, I know, trade. I know. I, I don't I know. want. I don't want to relitigate it. Although I would <laughs> love to prod and make you uncomfortable because you're a Laker fan. But no, like, I, bro, <laughs> I, I know. At the time, I was, I was still, I was trying to copium and make sense of it. But and it, even, it, and even Russ stands at the time were like, oh. Uh no, you got uh give it a chance and all that stuff. Russ is still a great player. Triple double towards the end of his season in Washington, he really turned it around the last two months. And I'm just like, dog, like, dog, like yeah, you mean to? It, yeah, yeah. I don't need to get it, get into that. You know, but yeah. <laughs> but I I love Darvin Ham. I think the signing's great. Uh, every the press conference today was great. I'm uh, I'm all in. Gotta love and introductory I, press conferences. Yeah. They always give it the feel good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for me right now, I this after the shitstorm that was this season, this was as positive a day as I could have had. With the <laughs> it, it must have been the like the first positive day <laughs> Lakers fans have had it's in like a minute. The, it's like the it's like the uh, it's it's like the 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 sun ray through the clouds, and you're like, oh my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the hope the hope is here um but yeah that's essentially it i mean for right now it's all going to come down to roster construction and where we come from i hope we keep Malik monk i thought he was a bright spot for the season yep uh, but other than that you know we'll, and, we'll and look i know people like to joke about Taylor horton tucker and how he was the one think- chosen over caruso and stuff he's not as bad as he showed last year and no, I, he's and still the- young I don't the think Taylor, I think you guys overrate him, but no, I, we definitely overrated him. But the thing with Talon, and I don't know how much of him you've actually like studied or watched, but like he play he plays oh yeah, solid. I, st- I still know that he doesn't have a right hand. Um, yeah, he plays solid. He plays solid defense. <laughs> he plays solid defense. His shooting improved last year. The issue where he gets into trouble is he hits a couple shots, like a couple of nice layups or a, a three, and, and then you know he the starts- next one's going up. Well, yeah, and then he just he does the young kid thing where he starts to get into his bag, and you're like, "Oh God, mm-hmm. please, like pass the ball." And and the thing is, like when he when he does stay in his in his zone and where he does you know he doesn't get too out of control, he's actually a really solid role player. Yeah, um, I could see solid role player in his future, like somebody but, who's athletic can give him a little extra more oomph than what yeah. a role player usually provides. Yeah, yeah. like but I can man. see him. I can see him being like. I think the best version of Talon Horton Tucker is a solid six man of the year candidate. But I don't I don't know if he'll ever get to that point because he's in his own head or because he thinks he's better than that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I like, do I think the, he, he needs to improve as a shooter. That's he one definitely does. like he needs to somebody on this roster cuz I don't see re- really many avenues for the Lakers to like make trades that improve the team or whatever. Like it's some of it's got to come from internal development and somebody's got to provide shooting next off of LeBron and Anthony Davis and maybe possibly Russell Westbrook, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, even if it, even if you use Talon in more of a facilitator role and like just a drive and kick guy, I think that's a valuable asset to have too. But again, once you start 
he he does it a couple times, gets a couple good assists and a couple good layups, and then you go, uh oh, here it goes, and he comes down and like gets into his dribble package, turns it over, or like gets into there and then takes a contested three, and you're like, Talon, please take him out, of, get him out of the game. Speaking of, speaking of bags, one of the most accurate and hilarious tweets that I saw <laughs> a few nights ago is uh, it's from at he's still cold. <laughs> it was it, during the Warriors game. He said, Jordan Poole hoops like it's nothing but bad bitches watching. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's so accurate. The way he moves, the way he the dribbles, way, the way he, the way like, he cuts. After baskets, baskets. The way he what? The way he celebrates after every basket. Yeah, the way he, like, you know how players have, like, that home run trot after they score? Yeah. Or, like, they get the ball and they're dribbling the down in transition and they glide down the court like they're about to do some shit. They like, do the hop? They do a little hop? Yeah, like a little hop or, like, you know, you grab the board and you just start pushing it, but you're not, like, sprinting. You're just gliding down the court because you know you're about to do some. That's, you're about to sauce someone up. <laughs> that's Jordan Poole to a T. Like, he is, a, he is an awesome offensive player and – those moves are what make him special. But, like, that really is his game. Like, he, he he starts pounding the ball, dribbling it. Like, there's, a, like, a bunch of – there's just a bunch of hot women watching it. <laughs> he's, he's, wink, he's winking, giving finger guns to the sideline. Yeah. Like. yeah. <laughs> he just starts going into his bag, man. <laughs> and he had, he had a good game yesterday. Because um, there, there was one possession in game one where Jordan Poole just started going into his dribbling package right in front of Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart just, like, stood there and watched him, and he just (laughs) took the ball from him. (laughs) He's like, all right, swipe. I love it was it's one of the best tweets ever <laughs> it's so good it's, it's it's right up there with Draymond shoots like he's wearing a backpack <laughs> yep another favorite one of mine this is going way back um uh this was like 2016 it was during the Thunder Warrior series and I'm sure you're well aware of Jason Concepcion um yes. he tweeted <laughs> He tweeted, hi, I'm in his canter, and welcome to Jackass. And then in parentheses, he put, gets down in the defensive stance to guard Steph Curry. It's so good. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite tweets of all time. <laughs> Although Ennis Cantor is now really a jackass, but that's besides the point. Um... <laughs> Dude, I, fr- I remember all the jokes when he changed his name to Freedom. And it was like, yeah, it's just the way he plays defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And, uh, not to get political, but uh, there now that he's doing his Fox News tour and all that stuff, there's a uh, some conservative pundits that I've seen tweet about basketball that has made it to the NBA Twitter timeline. I don't follow any of those nut jobs, but you know, sometimes it'll make you'll see tweets from people you don't follow and sure. shit like that. Um, but there was one where this one dude was like, Ennis Cantor was robbed of a Hall of Fame career um, because <laughs> the NBA blacked both. <laughs> it's really funny when you see I'm like, no, Ennis Cantor's out of the league because he can't play fucking defense. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny when you see people tweet about stuff and you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, you've clearly never watched basketball before. <laughs> yeah, I it, uh, the same thing happened when the Myers-Leonard stuff happened too. Oh, oh yeah. Like, They're like... <laughs> 
NBA like, NBA star, right? The, yeah, like, NBA star, you, you know which you, culture, whatever. You, and you're like, no, you know which news media publications watch basketball and which ones don't based on the headline. It's like NBA yeah. star Myers Leonard cut from the Thunder after, um, you know, racist tirade, ra- or racist ti- or racial slurs, uh, and stuff like that. It's like, uh. One, he should be out of the league based off that, but also two, Myers Leonard is not a star. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Same thing for Ennis Canner, man. Get, like, you saw, we all know the famous clip Billy, from uh, Billy Donovan when he was head coach of the Thunder. It's like, can't play Cantor. Like, the camera caught him. Yeah, it's so good. In 4K. Well, I think 4K was back in 2016. In 4K, can't play Cantor. Yeah, in 1080p, can't play Cantor. <laughs> That's why he's out of the league. But anyway, yeah. I digress. All right. Well, that'll do it. We'll probably be back soon, hopefully, uh, to go ahead and If Chris and doesn't go on more. five other video game oh, tournaments with Panda. <laughs> uh, that's a story for another day. But thank you guys <laughs> for watching. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. The B.O.B.